and welcome into the Fantasy Football Ratings Podcast. We're back again. I'm your host, Cody Morton, here with my co-host, cousin, and best friend, Josh Hensel. Josh, you ready to get this uh, second podcast underway? Here we go. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about some sleepers and values. Yeah, let's get after it. Let's jump right into it. All right, I'm going to give you a sleeper. Josh is going to give you a sleeper for a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Same for the values. All right, so... I'll start us off. My first sleeper quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick going back to the well with the Washington football team. Fitz magic. Give me some Fitz magic. Love the beard. Talks about it a little bit on the last pod. I'm liking what he can bring to the table. So I like Ryan Fitzpatrick because, you know, he's got some great wide receivers this year. He's got Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. I don't think Logan Thomas is going to have a massive year or anything, but he's still a solid tight end. He's a good player. So, you know, that helps him out. He's got some great pass catching RBs and Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. You know, you got to love that. He loves to throw the ball deep. The guy takes chances left and right. I mean, he'll chuck it all over the field. He just plays the game with no care at this point in his career. Doesn't care. He just takes every chance he can get. And, you know, thing that people don't don't think about with the old man is he kind of he's kind of a sneaky runner for for an old guy. I mean, in 2019, he had 243 yards and four touchdowns back in 2018. He had 152 yards and two touchdowns. And then last year, a buck 51 and two TDs. So, I mean, he gets in the end zone with his legs. He gives you, you know, a little boost with some yardage like that. You know, that helps out, especially especially knowing that he's got, got the shot to, to throw the ball as much as he wants. The coaches kind of let him, let him do his thing. I mean, he's a gunslinger and, you know, getting those extra points on the ground always helps. Taylor Heineke, he's the backup. He's not going to start. Fitzpatrick's going to, going to have all the opportunity this season. You got to love that. And he produces top 10 fantasy numbers under the radar. The guy puts up fantasy points when he is the starting QB. So back in 2018, he was the QB one from weeks one to three while Jameis was suspended that season. And in 2019, he was the QB two from weeks seven through 17 upon taking the job from Josh Rosen. And last season, I believe he was QB eight before Tua took the job from him or took the job. I mean, Fitzpatrick wasn't really benched. They just wanted to give Tua, Tua that opportunity to see what he had. So, I mean, he he puts up the numbers, and you, you got to love that for a guy that's, you know, at the tail end of his career and just loves to love to take the shots. And he's going at ADP quarterback 23. I mean, that is super late. You can get him at any point you want, stream him during the season. He's going to be a guy that people will play – from week to week when they need somebody to fill in. And, you know, he's definitely got the opportunity to potentially be a starter for some teams. So I'm, I'm a big fan of potential, the potential Ryan Fitzpatrick brings to the table. I mean, he's a little risky, you know, he's obviously been benched in the past and he can be a little hit or miss every now and then. Um, But he puts up big points when he gets the chances. So what what do you think, Josh, what do you think about Fitz magic? Well, Fitz magic, he, uh, he takes chances and goes deep, but also like he has the ability to play within the offense. Um, I think there's a lot of talent on that roster. They don't have a great O line, but it's not terrible. 
And then I really like the receiving core. As we talked about before, Scary Terry terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Um, and There's a I reason think he's that, called like, Scary Terry. Right? Yeah, I mean, he produced with no quarterback play. You throw in Fitzmagic, and I don't think Heineke's actually going to compete with him. I think that's just his job. No. Um, so – I think it's pretty safe to say he'll put up top 15 numbers and you're getting him way later in the draft. I also think he has the ability to kind of explode and be like a top 10, top five guy just because he takes the risk and they don't really have a great backup. Like I think Heineke's more of a, if Fitzmagic gets hurt, they'll play it. And without that, I don't think he really challenges Unless somehow he throws like 30 picks. Right. Which I don't right. Think will happen. No, not likely. Not likely. I mean, he tosses, tosses and picks, you know, he takes those chances, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I mean, he's, he's going to be the starter. So, you know, why not, why not look for some, some Fitz magic, get, get that beard on mm-hmm. your squad. You know, if you need it, need somebody to fill in, put him in there. I mean, he's going to put up points. Like you said, I definitely think he could, he could just shock, shock some people and, and finish as top 15 quarterback. I mean, I don't have him ranked inside the top 15. There's mm-hmm. a quarterback's deep position, but. Yeah, for know, sure. I like it. I like it. So, you know, why not? And then not? another thing, he liked tossing it deep to B-Jax, and he liked Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, Curtis Samuel can be a deep threat, and Scary Terry, although he's not 6'6", is also a go-up-and-get-the-ball guy like Mike Evans was. Yeah. So – I think they're both going to get a lot of targets and he has the ability to really just sling it around. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So, you know, just maybe take the shot on Fitzmagic. You know, if you want to wait, yeah. wait as long as you possibly can in a draft, take him as your last, last pick. Literally you could probably get him. It's your very last pick in the draft. So, you know, why not? All right, Josh, who is your sleeper quarterback for 2021? <clears throat> He might not be a huge sleeper, but he's not a starter at the moment. So um, my oh, pick straight hands. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love him. We talked about him last week. Um, he has an absolute cannon, and he's got wheels. So, And you can tell already through three preseason games, he's gotten better. Like, oh, yeah. His accuracy is already improving. I don't know if you saw the play in the last game where he fakes off the linebacker and throws it deep. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I watched him. He looks he looked <laughs> that's, good. That's a real pro move. Like, that's not like raw rookie Josh Allen move. That's like he's legitimately creating offense through the air. Um, he's going to have ups and downs. I think it's really going to be – I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes – but when Patrick Mahomes was a rookie and we didn't get to see him and everyone talked about how it would have been really up and down. Cause again, a rookie, I think Trey's going to be kind of like, like that. There's going to be moments where you're like, God damn, what a throw. <laughs> and then the next one, you're going to be like, why did he throw that? Yeah. I mean, but, he's a rookie. He's going to make some, yeah. some rookie plays, right? For sure. But for fantasy purposes, is, Let's say he's just had – well, he's also really athletic, and he likes to use his legs. So I think there's a really good floor for him too. 
I think he's kind of just a souped up Jalen Hurts in terms of talent for fantasy purposes. If yeah. he plays, which I don't think Jimmy G is going to get the whole year. Um, you can already tell Shanahan loves when <laughs> Trey Lance comes yeah. in. He's like, oh, yeah, we're running the real offense now. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, he can open and, up the full playbook when Trey Lance is in. Yeah. Well, they get really dynamic all of a sudden. Suddenly yeah. all the safeties are all over the place and they're moving in just way more dynamic ways. Where with Jimmy G, I'm not saying they're predictable, but it's very West Coast spread, very horizontal. For sure. Trey Lance immediately makes it vertical. Yep. But he has the like the pop and accuracy to play some of that horizontal game as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Shannon, I'm sure, loves it already. Like, well, mm-hmm. you know, back in the Super Bowl, they had that shot to win the game. Jimmy G, you know, mm-hmm. overthrew Sanders and cost him, you know. But Trey Lance, yeah. you can already see, he's got an accurate deep ball. And he can, he, he, he likes – he can get it there. He puts it on the money when he throws it 20-plus yards. So, I agree with you. I mean, I you know, I've already, I've already talked about it. I love me. <laughs> love me some Trey Lance. Everybody should hop on the Trey train. Get on board. Once he gets that starting job, he's going to put up big numbers for fantasy. Like Josh said, there's going to be some ups and downs. There's growing pains with rookies. There always is. I mean, he came coming from a you know smaller school, but he was dominant at North Dakota State. I mean, he had 28 touchdowns, didn't throw a single interception when he was the starter that year and ran for over 1,000 yards. I mean, he's got every tool in his kits. Like, he is ready to go, so – I, I like it. I like it a lot. <clears throat> and, yeah, I don't think he's going to throw as many picks as people think um, just because of some accuracy issues. I don't think that, like, he's a bad decision maker. I think sometimes he gets hurried up when someone comes around the edge or up the middle, and he kind of just is like, well, I have a cannon arm. I'll just toss it. And yeah, exactly. That'll get him in trouble here and there. But I think he knows to reel it back sometimes, and then others he just uncorks it. Yeah. So, again, rookie up and down. But I don't see why he can, once he gets in, produce similar fantasy numbers to Jalen Hurts last year at a minimum and then maybe Justin Herbert on a high side. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, if if he does a mix of Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, I mean, look out. Like sky's yeah. the limit there. It will be dominant. So, yeah. All right. Love, love Trey Lance. We love Trey Lance. Everyone, everyone should know that by now. We've, we've talked him up. Big time Trey Lance fans. But, all right. So, I got, a, got an honorable mention. Now, I don't know how you're going to feel about this on uh, last <laughs> podcast. It's a, we're going, going back a bit. I mean, he was on your bust, bust picks. But after seeing him in the first couple preseason yeah. games – and his ability to run the ball, how freaking fast he is. And he just looks – he looks ready to play. I mean, I, I think that Justin Fields is a solid sleeper. I mean, he, I like Trey Lance more if he gets the job. Trey Lance is my boy. But I, I definitely think Justin Fields has a that similar similar opportunity there with the rushing, rushing skill set. I mean, he was flying all over the field. He's got a pretty, pretty strong arm as well. He was talking about how the game felt slow to him already. I mean, he's probably exaggerating a bit, but come on, like that's that's pretty impressive for for a rookie at this point. So, you know, 
I, I'm I'm definitely warming to the idea of taking a shot on Justin Fields in the draft. I'm not definitely not going to tell people to to stay away as much as we had talked about last time. I think he's worth a shot. I think that. I mean, Nagy already came out and said, like, Fields is going to start next preseason game because Dalton's not going to play. So what does that mean? I mean, Dalton's the starter week one. However, they're starting Dalton, I think. The primary reason is they're playing the Rams in week one, and the Rams are the best defense in the league. So if they want any quarterback getting crushed, I think they want the Red Rifle to take the hits as opposed to their – Branch potential franchise quarterback in fields and the fans are going to be screaming for fields. They already love him. And, you know, this is a business. They're going to have to get him on the field. So when he gets out there, he's going to have, he's going to have some growing pains for sure. It's like any rookie. I don't, you know, I, I, I definitely was higher on, on Lance coming out of the draft, but I was fields was my third rated quarterback. I like fields. So, you know, give it some consideration, you know, like keep, keep it in mind. You don't probably don't have to draft him. You know, it depends on what size league you're in, but if he gets the, gets the nod week two, week three, stash him on your bench and see what happens. Justin really impressed me already in preseason. So I am walking back that take. (laughs) (laughs) Although I will say we already saw what it looks like behind that battle line. I mean, that That's shot true. he took was ugly. Oh, um, that was a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. And if that was Aaron Donald, he might have died. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a little bit like Joe Burrow last year where I'm like, oh, I love these flashes. This guy has a ton of talent. And then he's just going to get rocked over and over and over and over and over again because <laughs> they don't have a good old line yeah, I can see at all. Um, and he holds the ball. He's still he been holding the ball long. Yeah. That's why he took that shot. He could have gotten rid of the ball. Didn't. Yeah. And, um, and I believe, too, if you notice on that play, he checked, mm-hmm. uh, checked the linemen and had them – Mm-hmm. You know, whichever way he, he had them block the opposite direction. He it was his fault on that sack. That was it a was. free runner. That was a free pass mm-hmm. rusher that just came right at him. So you're right. Like he's he's got to work on the mental part of the game. I think if he's healthy, he'll do well. Um, I'm not necessarily like still in the bus spot because he's already shown enough improvement from his college tape. And that sounds dumb, but when you're watching college tape and then you watch preseason games, you actually can get something from rookies. After sure it's, that, it's not as valuable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's their first time in live action. You get a little something. Yeah. Right? There's some fundamental football stuff that he's gotten better yeah. at. You know, his mechanics are a little cleaner. He was getting the ball out a little faster, which is good. And he had made some complicated reads, which was a concern. Yeah. Um, so he's impressed me. I think he's a good sleeper. If you're in a two quarterback league, I would take him as your third. Yes, um, definitely. That would be a, a good play because he's going to start and he's not going to start the whole year. The red rifle sucks. Let me know. <laughs> I, I just, I had him last year um, for Dallas and he was horrible. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, he was bad. he's bad. If he can't produce <laughs> with those receivers in that old line, he sucks. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah. Like, um, so he's not going to do well in Chicago, but maybe Fields, his dynamism can get enough going. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, glad to hear you're warming a little bit to him. Sounds like you're, you're just kind of kind of riding the fence a bit, you know, moving yeah. him out of the busts a little bit, but still, mm-hmm. you know, you're not you're not fully committed to him. And I, that makes sense. That makes sense. <clears throat> but all right, you want to move in move into the running backs? <clears throat> yeah, we can do that. Um, I didn't really love the sleeper backs. Um, yeah, it was a little tough, a little tough. Um, I went with Miles Gaskin. He's going to be the starter. Miami is going to run the ball, and I don't think he's a terrible running back. No, I'm not like their last game, and he looked pretty good last yeah, year. I'm not like in love with him, but I do think he can create a little bit. Um, I actually like Salvin Ahmed more, but he's not starting, so. Yeah. I think Ahmed's um, pretty good too, man. He's he, he's he's shown out. Like they're they're yeah. gonna split the load, but yeah, Gaskin. He's clearly. I mean, he's clearly their pass catching back, man. It's valuable. Yeah. In PPR, I like him more. They're gonna run a spread offense, and he's just another option in that. So, I don't know. I struggled with the running back sleepers. I just kept looking, and I was like, man. Like I really don't like any of these guys. Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, if everyone everyone listening, I mean, take notes on that. Like, running backs pretty top heavy this season. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of great backs in the top 20, mm-hmm. 25. and you know that there's a reason running backs are flying off the board early. I mean, don't reach for guys necessarily if you got a tier break. Like, if the running backs have gone off and you're in, mm-hmm. you know, tier six for backs and they're still tier three wide receivers. Look for you know check those wide receivers. Don't don't go crazy. I mean, take the value where you get it. But like like Josh said, I mean, it is it is a little it's a little dry when you get past that twenty five to thirty running back range. Well, and all the rookies that I do like, they're already kind of in starting positions and getting drafted relatively high. Yeah. Um. So the that's Conte's not really a sleeper. Quite a bit. Yeah. And. I don't know. You could maybe think about Michael Carter. I like Tim. Yeah. The Jets aren't great, but he's another late round guy. He's going to get drafted, whereas Miles Gaskin might not. But really, what's probably going to happen is some guy you've never heard of is going to put up 1,200 yards this year. And I don't really know who that was. I was looking. I had an interesting thought. I, I'm going to toss it out there because I don't really like the player, but they don't have running backs. Okay, um, with Daryl Henderson getting hurt, he's going to play, but he's already starting to get banged up. Yeah. Sean McVay is crazy enough to move 2-2 Atwell to running back. He's 5'9", I think, like maybe not even that tall. He's tiny. I mean, he weighed like yeah. buck sixty at best. I know. But he is good with the ball in his hands, and they're just – they have no options. Like, they're – if you look yeah. at the roster, the running backs after that get pretty ugly. Yeah, um, like Jake so, Funk, I think, and Xavier yeah. Jones are the other two backs. So, Funk's looked all right so far. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's, um, that's definitely a bit of a stretch from, from yeah. my blood there. If he I don't think that, it's I mean, going to happen. use him like a Tavon Austin type. Yeah. He'll have some big plays, but. They took him high. I don't really like him at all. I hate him in the draft. I didn't think he was <laughs> worth drafting. Um, Not into those little but like, 
Yeah, I just, well, he's not as fast as he <laughs> should be because he's small, but he's not really that fast and his hands yeah. aren't very good. Right. So I don't really know why, unless they want to use him in unique packages. Um, I don't know. The, the Rams running back situation scares me because I like Daryl Henderson, but he's already getting nicked up. And after that, it gets really ugly. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, back to back to your your pick, though, Miles Gaskin. I mean, I don't. I'm not. He's definitely definitely a good little sleeper. I mean, he's he's going. He is going in kind of in that RB two range from what I've seen. Like maybe RB three ish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to get the receiving receiving work. Um, you know, Tua Tua has been dumping it down to him. He did quite a bit in that that you know, last preseason game to a look great. And Miles Gaskin reaped, reaped the rewards on that. I and mean, he had two touchdowns. So, you know, he's, he's, he's a good player. I, I've been, been impressed by Miles Gaskin. You know, I was kind of shocked that he's been able to, to come out and play as well as he, he has thus far in his career. Um, so, you know, I, I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a pretty good, pretty good sleeper pick. <clears throat> yeah. He's going to be way down the board. And he he's in an offense where he's going to get touches. So I don't know. Yeah. He's all right. I mean, yeah. the sleepers and the running backs, there's a big cliff. There really is. Um, once you get past, like, running back 20 to 25, it's really ugly. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't love it, but – I think he can put up numbers and he's in an offense where they're going to get him the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in. Let's jump in to talk about my sleeper back. I got one sleeper running back, my top guy, and then an honorable mention. Both of them, I think are pretty good sleepers. They're, they're deep. They're going really late. Um, My first, first sleeper is AJ Dillon for the Packers. Okay. Yeah. So, AJ Dillon has he played pretty well last year when he got got the got the shot. I mean, it was pretty much one game, but in that game, he had 21 carries, 121 yards, and two TDs against the Titans. So he showed he's got that ability if he gets the opportunity. Um, he in RB two for the Packers really translates to actually some sneaky volume. I mean, Jamal Williams, his volume last season. Um, was pretty strong. He had in 2018, well, last season he had 119 carries and 35 targets. It's pretty solid for a backup. In 2019, 107 carries and 45 targets. And in 2018, 121 carries and 41 targets. So in just his limited role, he kind of showed that the Packers, the Packers like to use a second running back, even though we all know Aaron Jones is a beast. He's he's a stud, stud back. I think in the NFL top 100, his peers, you know, put him at 30. So everyone knows he's he's a baller, but they they don't want to wear him down too much. I mean, Aaron Jones is, isn't the biggest back in the world, and A.J. Dillon is the complete opposite of that. I mean, Aaron Jones is quadzilla. Have you seen this guy's quads? Like, this guy is a <laughs> yeah. monster. Like, he's huge. <laughs> like, he's 6 feet, 247 pounds. And he's sneaky athletic. He had a four five three forty at that size. I mean, that's that is pretty fast for a back at that size. 
He benched 23 reps. His vert was 41, 41 inches. That is just shocking to me. When I saw that, that blew my mind. And his broad jump was 131. That's just, that's crazy for a guy that size. So he's got all the tools to, to make a difference if they give him the opportunity. Aaron Jones also tends to miss a few games. You know, he doesn't miss a lot of games. He's never had like a serious injury. But in 2017, he only played 12 games. 2018, 12 games again. 2019, when he was the RB2 and had 16 rushing touchdowns, I believe, he played all 16 games. And then last season, he played 14 games. So there's a good bet. You have a good – you know, it's reasonable to think that he's going to miss, you know, anywhere from two to four games in a season, and especially this year with the with the extended week. So, you know, you you might be able to get a, a couple weeks of the season where he's just taking all, taking all the snaps and getting all the work. Um, he plays for an excellent offense in the Packers. That's valuable touches, so that's huge. And he is definitely a good bet to see his fair share of goal line carries at that size. I think that they will give him a few looks inside the five, inside the 10. Aaron Jones is a good red zone running back, but again, they want to preserve the talent of Aaron Jones, especially if they plan on making a playoff run. So they might give those potential injury type of carries to AJ Dillon and he might score, you know, fall into the end zone for a few TDs. And he was drafted in the second round. The Packers loved him. LaFleur was a big fan of him. They drafted him in the second round, knowing that they were about to pay Aaron Jones big money, and they still had Jamal Williams on the roster. So they like they really spent up when they could have gotten a wide receiver or some defensive players, and instead they they just fell in love with AJ Dillon and took him. So I think they're going to give him some opportunity, and he's going at ADP RB thirty seven. I mean that's great value. Like you don't. You don't have to – there is no risk or opportunity cost involved there. You can just take him late in the draft. If you, you know, have a couple starting backs and you're just getting deep, you want to fill out fill out an RB4, RB5 spot, go get yourself some A.J. Dillon. Go get some Quadzilla. Yeah. Um, his quads are huge. He's super explosive. He hits the hole violently, and he's going to get in the end zone. I like A.J., he was one of the people I thought about, you know, another thing I was kind of thinking about too, when you th- talk about um, Z running back draft strategies. Yeah. When you're looking at a guy there because of the possibility of running backs getting hurt, being really high, Aaron Jones could definitely miss some time. And if it's even six weeks, six weeks of AJ Dillon's good. Like that's a lot of production. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, you're taking him at um, RB 37. All you need is six weeks, right? He's going to return return his value already if he gets. There. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not a breakaway speed guy, but they're not going to use him that way, right? So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, I thought you know AJ Dillon, pretty good, pretty good value. Maybe, maybe like you said, if you're going zero RB, you kind of have to bank on some injuries happening. You know, look his way. Look towards AJ Dillon. If someone drops and maybe doesn't get drafted, keep an eye on him because there's definitely a world where Dillon gets potentially ten carries a game and maybe you know a target or two every now and then. And getting that that volume and you have him as an RB four or five, you know that if you throw him in the lineup, there's a decent shot that he's going to get potentially you know anywhere from. 
45, 60 yards and a TD, maybe a catch, catch or two to add on to that. So, you know, go, go get some quadzilla if, if you're, you're looking for a rate, weight round running back. <clears throat> and my honorable mention for sleepers at running back is Trey Sermon. Mm. Trey Sermon. So Trey Sermon didn't exactly wow me at the, you know, his, his pro day and all that. His numbers didn't like jump off the board, but at Ohio State, he was a solid player. The biggest reason, you know, he's got the talent. He's a pretty, pretty good sized back. The biggest reason I, I put Trey Sermon on this list is they selected him, you know, at a pretty, pretty, you know, they spent some capital on Trey Sermon and the 49ers really like to run the ball. They're one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. Shanahan is a genius in the run game. He puts his running backs in positions that are going to get them success. He doesn't put them in spots where, you know, it's it's going to serve them ill. They He puts them in the right spot. He gets Raheem Mostert in the best position, and he'll get Trey Sermon in that right spot as well. He's a downhill running back, which is perfect for their scheme. And I mentioned Raheem Mostert a second ago. Mostert, he misses a lot of time. Like, he's been getting hurt constantly. Jeff Wilson's already on the IR right now. I mean, he's probably going to start on the pup. So why not go for Trey Sermon in an offense like this that values rushing? They, it, they, they just they love to give the ball to their backs. They don't, you know, throw the ball too much. They, they don't take an in same amount of chances they like to run underneath stuff you know they have a bunch of players that play underneath even the receivers Debo and Ayuk have great rushing ability because that's what Shanahan likes to do so they spend capital on him and I think they're going to give him the opportunity he's better than Wayne Gallman I'm not worried about that at all so I think it's he's going to be the RB2 behind Raheem Mostert and they use multiple backs they do not give the full workload to one running back they mix it up and because of that, I think Trey Sermon's going to get a pretty good workload this year. I wouldn't expect anything crazy, but there definitely is a world if Raheem Mostert goes down that Trey Sermon just blows up and puts up great weeks this year. Yeah, I like Trey. Um, he is kind of like Damian Harris, where he's good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. Yeah. Um, I think that like him and Dylan are kind of like Rex Burkhead where you're just like, dude, stop vulturing my running back touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you have them, you're cool with it. Exactly. So um, I like Sermon. I think he's going to get touches just because Shanahan runs multiple running backs. They're all going to get touches. Mostert also likely to get hurt. I just yep. – he's an injury-prone guy. Um, and Wayne Gallman's irrelevant. That guy's not good, so don't no. worry about it. <laughs> no, no worries for Gallman. <laughs> yeah. So he's solidified it too, and definitely he's going to have games where he's going to be running back one because it, Mostert at least is going to get dinged up. He does. Yeah. Like, there's going to be games where he's getting more touches. So I don't hate that. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, he, he'll get, he'll get his fair share of carries, and even with Mostert on the field, they they know what they have in Mostert. Mm -hmm. He's a really good player, extremely mm -hmm. fast. He takes it to the house, big play guy. But they're not going to overwork him this year. They're going to mm -hmm. maybe get Mostert somewhere in between. Maybe they'll give him like fifteen touches a game, um, which is enough for Mostert to play well. 
for sure. But I think Sermon is going to eat eat up the rest of those touches for the most part. So take a shot on Trey Sermon, especially especially if you're in a, a keeper league, a deep league, maybe a 12, 14 team league, and you want to get him on the draft board. So you have the opportunity to keep him at that selection because you know there is definitely a world where Sermon takes over the job this year. And if he if he plays really well and Mostert gets dinged up. So, you know, just look his way. Keep an eye on him. For sure. All right, Josh, who is your sleeper wide receiver? <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to switch these because one of them's not as fun anymore. Um, <laughs> so my first is Dwayne Eskridge. Um, okay. So he he's 24. Really good player. Um, he's 5'9", and he's skinny, and his route tree is a little limited. All right, I gave you all the negatives for a rookie. He's um, extremely explosive. He's stupid fast. Like, I know he was playing against relatively bad defenders. Their competition level was just low. But he was blowing by everybody. He's going to do some of that in the NFL. But the best part is he plays with two huge deep threats already. And I guarantee he has the ability to run a slant. It's not a complicated route. I'm sure he can run it. (laughs) Um, So he's going to be playing slot for Seattle. He's short. He's not going to be a contested catch point guy. Russ is going to sling the ball around. We know that Russ likes to go deep, so he can go deep. You know, some slot, just like dragging the safety deep. He's going to be faster than any safety. I can promise you that, except maybe the only safety that could probably like cover him real deep in space is Derwin James. The rest of them, he's going to blow by. He's just too fast. Um, Now, that doesn't mean he's going to catch it because sometimes he has drops, but he's really fast. He's got actually pretty good vertical leap, and he's going to be playing in the slot for a good offense. There's not a, like, they have a new tight end in Gerald Everett. I don't think he's going to get a ton of touches because Russ doesn't really love tight ends. So, But he does love throwing to his receivers. He has three to go to, and they're all deep threats. Yeah. So I think he's more of a change of pace than Lock and DK are. I think DK's truly an X, right? Like he's just oh, yeah. put him on the he outside, is. Is. let him run a limited route tree and post up. Um, Tyler Lockett's more of that like deep out route type. But then Eskridge can really play in the inside in the middle of the field and give them some new looks there. So I that's – I don't know if he'll produce, obviously. I'm not, like, super in love with him, but I think he has the potential to have a good year. Yeah, I mean, you're you're digging deep in the well on that one. I'm, yeah. I'm sure most people haven't even heard him, and he's surely not getting drafted in fantasy no. this year. No way are people picking him. So <clears throat> that's digging really deep. I think that is – that's good for the listeners to, to hear his name. I mean, I, I really liked him coming out of college. You know, he had a great mm-hmm. tape. I watched his tape yeah. multiple times. He, he's, like you said, he's explosive. There's a reason. I, he might have been Seattle's first pick in the draft this year because they, they, I don't think they had a yeah. personal pick. They took him so, really high. Yeah, so that's that means something. Like, that always means something. Um, I mean, I love, I love, love, love Tyler Lockett at his value this year. He's just mm-hmm. great. So, I love Tyler. I love DK. Those are great players. Um so, I mean, it's definitely 
you know, a hit or miss, like you said, like there's no yeah. guarantee he's even going to get that many looks this year at all. You know, maybe yeah. he'll, he might end up be playing like fuck returns and kick returns as well. So that, that could mm-hmm. be a little bonus. Um, he's definitely got that skill set. Um, but, you know, like there is no opportunity cost or risk associated with Durant, Dwayne, yeah. Eskridge, at Dwayne Eskridge. Goodness gracious. And so, you know, even if you don't draft him, like just keep, keep, keep an eye on him. I mean, he's a good player. So don't be shocked, I guess, more or less what you're trying to say. Or don't be shocked if you hear – Dwayne Eskridge put up some big weeks and and potentially start to pique some interest of some fantasy managers. Yeah, Eskridge, the way I looked at him coming out of the draft is he was the third best slot receiver because um, he's going to have to play slot. He didn't play a ton yeah. of slot in college, but in the NFL, he's way too small. Yeah, um, yeah So he's going to have to. Um, behind Elijah Moore, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. But I do think he's going to get some targets, and I think there's probably going to be a game or two at a minimum where you're like, holy shit, he had two touchdowns, two catches, and 100 yards. Like, he just broke two open. Um, I'm not necessarily saying, like, draft this guy, but just put him on your watch list, kind of see, oh, in the first two weeks he got 10 targets a pop, maybe think about adding him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, just keep keep him in the back of your mind and, and know the name. Go watch his tape. You'll yeah. see that he's he's got the talent, tape's so. fun. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. So my I got two sleeper wide receivers. I could not decide between these two guys. I like both of them. I think they're both very similar. Um, they're probably both of them are are fairly hot. I think you know a decent amount of, of fantasy, fantasy analysts uh, around the land are giving these guys some consideration, but I couldn't decide between the two. Um, but this first guy, I probably like a little bit more because he has the opportunity to be the true wide receiver one on his team. And that's Henry Ruggs for the Los Angeles Raiders. Henry Ruggs was a disappointment last year. We all know that he didn't get hardly any looks. He was pretty much just a decoy most of the season. I mean, he had some, Great plays. He ran really solid routes, and he looked pretty solid on the field. They just – he got hurt a few times, and he didn't really get the opportunity. I mean, last season, he didn't have a lot of time to prepare, and he was injured in game one against the Panthers. He contracted corona and then missed more time with a small injury. So he didn't really get that, that feel for the game last year, didn't get a lot of opportunity to get going. He was the former first-round pick. He was the first wide receiver off the board in 2020. He was drafted 12th overall by John Gruden. And John Gruden's been getting some heat for not using him that much last year. People want to see him. They don't know why they didn't why he didn't use him that much. Henry Ruggs has that opportunity to run underneath routes, run some drags, some slants. He doesn't have to just run, you know, go routes and post the whole game. You know, you can get him on some screens as well. Just get him the ball. He can work. So Gruden, he did have a quote. He came out and said, we don't want Ruggs to just be a threat. We'd like him to be on the receiving end of a lot of those threats. So we're trying to get him more and more involved in the passing offense. It's not like a crazy, you know, like, okay, we're going to just feed him the rock. But he understands, like, he needs to start utilizing him. I think he wants to. I mean, he liked him coming out of the draft. They're going to utilize him this year in – Weirdly enough, I, everyone knows Derek Carr doesn't take a whole lot of shots, right? Like he's got to get more, 
you know, more ready and just, just feel like he can actually take those shots down the field. He, he really likes to play underneath routes, but he's got a very solid, accurate deep ball when he does take those shots. So he should take them more. But in 2018, he was the most accurate deep ball passer, which is defined as 20 yard, passes 20 yards or more down the field. So in 2018, he was the number one graded deep ball passer. And in that season, he ranked third in deep passing accuracy since 2016. So from 2016 to 2018, he was third in deep ball passing accuracy. And those are PFF grades. So Derek Carr has that skill set. He throws a great ball. And Derek Carr is a pretty underrated quarterback. So if he can develop that chemistry with Henry Ruggs, I think that he's got a very solid opportunity to, you know, return potentially wide receiver two numbers, maybe high and wide receiver three numbers this year and actually be worth worthy of being put in the starting lineup. Um, he's crazy athletic. I think most people know that. He ran a 4-2-7 40-yard dash. He had a 42-inch vertical jump, and his broad jump was 131. I mean, that's just – that's crazy. Like, he, he has one of the fastest 40-yard dashes ever recorded. So that's obviously a, a good good sign for him, and it's great to have on your resume. And Nelson Aguilar is no longer with the team. Aguilar kind of broke out last year. You know, he was their wide receiver one. He played really well. And that leaves 82 targets on the table. I know that they picked up John Brown, and I like John Brown as a player. He's good. But John Brown has, a, it has an extensive history of injuries. He gets hurt a lot. So I'm not too worried about that. I think if they want to get one wide receiver truly involved, that is going to be Henry Ruggs, not John Brown. I know people talk about Brian Edwards as well. He seems like he's got some talent, but I would definitely go with Henry Ruggs. Um, and, you know, that's just – all those things I think add up to just a lot of potential and opportunity there. I mean, he's going extremely late. He's ADP wide receiver 50. That is just really good value for a guy that could potentially be the top wide receiver on this team. So I don't see why he's going that late. I understand that he let people down. He didn't perform to his draft capital last season, but he absolutely has the skill set, has the opportunity, has the quarterback. And Gruden's getting the pressure. So I think that I'm sure Mayock is all over trying to get him to, to utilize their former first round pick. So I think Henry Ruggs is a pretty good sweeper. What do you think? I love Henry Ruggs. I, uh, no, I don't think he should have gone as the number one receiver in that draft, even no. in the moment. I thought that was dumb. Yeah. But um, he's stupid explosive. He does have good hands, and he actually runs good routes. He's a good receiver. Um, he didn't get really any opportunity last year, but when he was on the field, he did make the Raiders' offense better. Um, he opened up tackle boxes for Josh Jacobs as well as taking safeties off of Darren Waller. At a minimum, he's going to be on the field if he's healthy. Um, and when he's the most talented receiver on the team – and he's getting a lot of reps, it's hard for that to just not equal targets. Um, right. I think Gruden like, has to know that they need to use him more. And then I hope to God Gruden's watched like some Alabama tape <laughs> and some Chiefs tape. Yeah. Because yeah, they know how sure. to use speedy receivers. Right. That's a good um, point. Yeah. And like, that's not even hard to watch, dude. Just yeah. watch prime time. Like, <laughs> all you have to do exactly. is watch, like, Saturday at 7 
in Sunday at seven. <laughs> it's not in your catch boat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. like I'm not asking him to do a deep dive. Right. Um, Just take notes like, from one of the top coaches in the league right now, and Andy Reid. Figure yeah. out how to utilize those guys. Even if it's just drag routes and screens, he's the guy who's like athletic enough. If you just target him enough in those spots, he's just going to start breaking them loose. Yeah. Now, exactly. if injuries can be a concern, I get that. Um, but let's actually give him some targets and find out if that's going to be the problem or not. Right. Yeah. You got to see what you have. I think they're going to pepper yeah. him with a lot more targets than last season. I think that, you know, estimating about 100 to 120 targets this year is not out of the realm of possibilities at all. That's not a crazy amount of targets, but we all know Darren Waller is their true alpha, yeah. you know, receiver, actual pass catcher. So we know that's he's not taking over that. Darren Waller is just an absolute monster. But Henry Ruggs as the top wide receiver on the team. I mean, he's going to get looks, and they're going to give him the opportunity. So I think he's worth, worth that, you know, ADP wide receiver 50 shot. There's again, there's no opportunity cost there, no risk. <clears throat> For sure. And I love the sleeper receivers this year. Um, so when we were talking about how it falls off a cliff for running backs for receivers, I don't feel that way at all. There's a ton I of talent locked on the board late in the draft. Yeah, um, 100% agree. Do you have anybody else you want to talk about? Yeah. So I actually have two other guys. One of them we can just kind of gloss over real quick. It's Tyrell Williams. Um, okay. I don't really love Tyrell Williams that much, but just he's the, the top receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, TJ Hawkins is obviously going to get the most targets. He's the most talented player probably on their whole roster, Definitely. maybe besides Benet Sewell. Um, so he's not going to be like the true top target, but he's the top receiver. Um, they're going to have to throw the ball, whether goofball's good or not. <laughs> so um, that's kind of why he's there. And then my other one, which I took him off from my main slot after uh, he put up 100 yards last night, Marquez, uh, Marquez Holloway. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. He was really good. I was all over him coming out of college. I knew he was going to eventually get on the field and get yeah. targets, and it's here. Jameis is going to sling it. He's fast. He's got good hands. Um, it, Jameis is, I think they announced QB one. He's going to be QB the quarterback. One, yeah, yeah. He's going to be the quarterback. He's always going to get a lot of touches because Thomas isn't there. Maybe won't show up. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But regardless, knows? worst case, he's receiver two. Adam Troutman's hurt. So then yeah. he takes away another target. They one, it's desperation. They have to give yeah. it to somebody. Obviously, Kamara's is going to get some of that for sure. But they need to throw the ball to somebody. And when you lose your top receiver and your top tight end, the young guy with a ton of juice is going to get touches. Yeah. I mean, if anybody was watching, I mean, I was watching, you know, I was in and out of that game, but I saw those plays. I mean, I wanted to watch yeah. the first quarter, second quarter, and see just the main primary action. Mm -hmm. My goodness, his yeah. plays were ridiculous. He was clearly a fan. You know, he was – Definitely Jameis's top target. He was looking his yeah. way constantly, and they have a strong connection. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. that first touchdown diving grab, I don't know how he caught that. That was crazy, crazy, you know, <clears throat> concentration to make that grab. And his second TD was a full one-handed, left-handed grab in the end zone. I mean, that was nuts. He clearly mm -hmm. has all the talent to, to be a great 
wide receiver this year. Jameis, everyone knows Jameis takes those shots. He's definitely gotten better at it. He's okay. You know, Jameis is okay. You know, wait until the next possession. He's going to work on not throwing so many interceptions or that's going to cost him his career. But, you know, Jameis still takes those shots. He's still, he is who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. And Marquez Callaway is definitely a guy to look at. I, I was really impressed with what I saw the other night. I think everyone was, if you yeah. saw it. So you, like you said, I understand why you took him off because he's probably going to fly up a bit. Um, but with no Michael Thomas there, at least it seems like guaranteed he's not going to be there for like the first half of the season at the very least. And mm-hmm. even if he, when he, even if, or when he does come back, I think Callaway has a really good shot to develop a great rapport with Winston during the season. So I think that that's a really, really good sleeper pick right there. I mean, I was a little iffy. I definitely, before any of this, liked him over Traquan Smith because I don't think Traquan Smith is ever going to truly establish himself. But Callaway, I believe it's going to be his second year this year. And he, like you said, has the juice. He's got some talent. You can see that just watching the game yesterday. And so, yeah, take, take a look at Callaway and really give it consideration looking in the back back portion of your drafts because he is going to get the opportunity. I mean, like you said, they are really, their team is riddled with injuries right now at the pass catching Mm -hmm. position. So Sean Payton um, before the preseason started was like, you're going to see Callaway. Y'all wanted to see him. You're going to see him. (laughs) And when he was talking like that, I was like, of course we are, Sean. You don't have any fucking options. (laughs) He's the only one you got. Exactly. Um, like, we so, don't really have a choice yeah. at this point. <laughs> he's going to be out there, <laughs> whether he's good or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But he's looked good. He's going to be moving up boards. Obviously, don't reach to get him. But, but when you're looking at you the back of the draft, right? I think he's definitely a guy to pick up. Yeah, people are still going to be scared to pull the trigger on him. Mm-hmm. They don't know who he is. So he'll still be late and, you know, yeah. give it some consideration. He's He's – got great potential this year i completely agree <clears throat> all right so my second sleeper he's henry ruggs is pretty much tied with this guy for me the only reason i mentioned henry ruggs first like i said because he has true opportunity to be the wide receiver one on the team and this guy doesn't and i don't love their offense as a whole but i love him as a player and i think that he's going to get more opportunity this season especially if fields takes over and that is darnell mooney the Chicago Bears he is a great player he was a fifth round pick last season and man did he just shock the world with his talent I mean you can see last year it was non-stop Trubisky overthrowing him but like he was burning top quarterbacks there are multiple clips of him burning Jalen Ramsey he runs great routes and he's fast so last season he set the franchise record for receptions as a rookie for the Bears even with that horrible quarterback play, he set the franchise record for the Bears. Most receptions for a rookie as a wide receiver. That's very impressive to me. He was fifth for fifth in target share for all rookies last season, seventh in total targets for rookie wide receivers last season, and he was ninth in fantasy points for rookie wide receivers last year, even though he had that struggle with Trubisky. He also had the eighth most broken tackles for all wide receivers in 2020. That is crazy considering that he still didn't have like an, an insane workload. So he is very, very elusive in the open field. And he really, he had 98 targets last season, 98. He almost had a hundred targets 
it's just so many of those targets were uncatchable. I mean, if he could gets to, you know, potentially a hundred, hundred, little over hundred targets, like he's going to return value big time in the second half of the season, he was on pace for 120 targets. If he somehow hits 120 targets, he is going to produce. There's no doubt in my mind on that. Um, so he also with wider. So here, listen to this stat. So wide receivers with 95 plus targets as a rookie is a great indicator of future success. And here's why in the last decade, 95% of those wide receivers that had 95 plus targets as a rookie had a top 36 season in their future. And of those 95%, 76% had a top 24 season in their future. So if you have 95 plus targets as a rookie, you are very likely to finish as either a wide receiver three, wide receiver two, or better. That's great historical evidence to show that he, if he gets those looks and continues to get them, he is likely to succeed. He was 11th in deep targets in 2020. And he had 739 unrealized air yards in 2020. That was 10th among all wide receivers. That is crazy. 739 unrealized air yards just shows how horrible Trubisky was last season and Nick Foles. It was just bad, just bad yeah. across the board. <clears throat> he is a very athletic guy. He had a Four three eight forty yard dash, which surprised me. I didn't know he was that fast. Quite frankly, I thought maybe he was going to be in that four four five type of range. But he's got some burners. Four three eight is pretty really good for a fifth round draft pick. And his vertical jump was thirty seven inches. That is very good as well. So he is a uber athletic wide receiver, and he's going at ADP wide receiver fifty three, three spots behind Henry Ruggs. Again, that's just really good value. You're not taking any risk there. So get yourself some Darnell Mooney and stash him. He, I think that realistically, like he's probably, he could even be more likely of a breakout than even Henry or sleeper than Henry Ruggs to actually produce this season because of he already had those targets last year and he just looks really good. I mean, what do you, what do you think about Mooney? Do you like him? Yeah, my deep dive analytics numbers for Mooney are real simple. It's money with two O's, baby. He's nasty <laughs> as shit. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, no, he's really Darnell talented. Money. That's yeah. right, baby. Um, <laughs> he plays the slot. I like slot receivers. I think they often provide a lot of value because yeah, um, they're going to eat up targets and PPR. Um, he does have a clear receiver above him in Allen Robinson. Oh yeah. Alan but after like, that though, there's like nothing. I mean, even Cole Komet as the tight end with Jimmy Graham, neither of them scare me. The rest of the receivers don't scare me. So they're going to have to throw the ball. He's going to be the second target and he's really explosive with the ball in his hands. Yep. Um, you know, I really like Mooney. He was one I was considering, uh, I'm all in on that. I love Darnell Mooney. Um, I actually Sweet. liked him in Texas. Um, yeah, but yeah, he was good. I just – I didn't love um, – I guess it wasn't all Sam Ellinger's fault, but I just didn't think they did a great job of getting them all. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's 
I mean, that happens. Not going to be a problem now. Right. Yeah. Similar to like you just brought up Marquez Callaway. Like Callaway didn't have crazy numbers. I think it's the most receptions he had this season was 30. So, like sometimes these college coaches just don't know how to utilize these, some of these guys' skill sets to their, to their maximum potential. But I, I'm not, you know, again, we talk about this. I'm not like a, I don't really love Matt Nagy. I know you don't either. Yeah. I don't. It's way over, over his toes on, on plays. Like he just doesn't, he gets really cute with his play calling, but I think like if Trubisky could have been more accurate last year, Mooney could have had like a 800, 900 yards. And as a rookie, yeah. that is very, very good. So I definitely like Mooney this year. I'm glad to hear you're on, on, on page and on board with that one. Um, so let's go get some, get some Darnell money. Take, take yeah. the shot, take the take shot. Take him to the bank. The draft. Yeah. Take him to the bank. <laughs> take him to the bank. Love it. I love it. All right, I'll start us off here with our sleeper tight ends. Now, I'm going to go over my notes on this guy. I was very heartbroken last night, very much heartbroken. I really liked Troutman as a sleeper tight end this year. He's my tight end 13. Obviously, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it doesn't look great for him. But I'm going to go through it anyways just in case you know, the injury's not too serious and maybe he only misses us a little bit of time. So I'll go through it very briefly. We don't really have to talk about it a lot, but I want to still want to give the people the information. So there's a lack of water deep water receiver depth in new Orleans. We already went over that with Callaway. So I won't go too deep into that. He had a crazy high college dominator rating. So what that is, is basically like it's, it's, how much, how many passes, you know, are they throwing? How much are you eating up? Are you taking all the opportunity from the other pass catchers, right? That's pretty much what that means. He basically is getting the majority of the yardage where he played at date, not a big school, but he had a 38.1 dominator rating. That is extremely high. And he accounted for 38% of the team's receiving production. Very, very good. He was a, he's a former third round pick and the saints, traded up in the draft to select him. So Peyton really liked Troutman coming out of the draft. So I thought, you know, this, if this was, you know, if there's going to be a year for him to start getting the, getting the, getting the opportunity, it's going to be this year without Michael Thomas. Right. So that made a lot of sense to me. And Saint, the Saints produce fantasy tight end numbers. I mean, you remember Jimmy Graham, obviously he's an otherworldly talent, so it's not really comparable but Ben Watson, Benjamin Watson, old Ben Watson put up pretty solid numbers when he was the starting tight end for the Saints. He was definitely – I mean, he was finished as top top 12 tight end, and he had some great weeks in him. People were starting him. I remember I played him quite a bit when he was there. He was worthy of that starting job for some teams, some fantasy managers. And Jared Cook, I mean, the past couple of years, Jared Cook has put up solid numbers. He's been a starter. He gets a bunch of touchdowns. They like to utilize him in the red zone. So I, you know, I like that. I like that they use tight ends really well. Saints are one of the best teams utilizing their tight ends. And Jameis Winston loves to throw the ball to his big tight ends, those big guys in the middle of the field. He liked O.J. Howard, even though O.J. Howard has been hit or miss because of his injuries. And he used Cameron Brake quite a bit. So Jameis as a pretty, you know, his, he's got some historical evidence showing that he likes to use his tight end. So I'll leave it at that with Troutman. We don't really have to go over it too much because he's hurt right now. But just the people, I want the people to know that I really, he's definitely my favorite late round t- 
tight end if he gets healthy. He's going at ADP tight end 19. That is extremely good value. Again, you do if you wanted to take Troutman, you can wait as long as you possibly want. No one's going to take him. I have him ranked as my tight end 13. So if he wasn't injured, that would be my top sleeper pick by a wide margin is Adam Troutman. But because he is injured, I had to pivot a little bit. And this guy, I think, has is a great talent. I have him at my tight end 15 right now. He plays for the Seahawks, and that's Gerald Everett. Josh kind of mentioned earlier, he's probably not going to get a ton of a ton of looks. But Russell Wilson is an excellent quarterback, and he has produced tight ends in the past. When Jimmy Graham was there and he was still he was at the he's at the tail end of his career. Jimmy Graham had double-digit touchdowns, and he got quite a bit of looks. He had his fair share of targets that season. And Will Disley, if people know uh, Will Disley before he was hurt, Will Disley was looking like he had the he was going to come out and be a breakout tight end for years to come. He looked great, and Russell Wilson looked his way quite a bit. But Disley's gotten hurt a lot. So they went and got their tight end, Gerald Everett, signed him to a fairly lucrative one-year contract of $6 million dollars. That's a pretty good contract for a tight end at six mil for one season. They definitely want to utilize him if they're going to pay him that much. He's a former second round pick. So that, you know, that kind of shows you he's got the skill set to be a good tight end. Sean McVay loved him. I believe that was Sean McVay's first ever draft pick as a head coach and being a part of an organization, you know, so that definitely shows, you know, everyone knows how good, the good of a coach Sean McVay is. They just like Higby more, and I think Higby's proved that. But Gerald Everett definitely has skills. He's super athletic. He ran a 4.6240 for a tight end. That's very fast for a tight end. 22 reps on the bench, 37 and a half inch bird, 126 in LeBron jump, and his 20 yard shuttle was 4.33. He's very athletic, very athletic tight end. And he's also like I kind of brought up before. He's not no longer competing for targets with Higby in Seattle. He's going to be the clear cut guy. So if there's going to be a tight end to come in and produce in Seattle, it's going to be Gerald Everett. And I think that he has a decent opportunity to get there. He's worth a late round shot. If you want to wait super late, definitely look for him. If no one drafts him during the season and don't be surprised if he performs, he's going at ADP tight end 21. That's really good value. That's why he's a sleeper. So keep an eye on Gerald Everett. I think he has He definitely has an opportunity to get there this season. Yeah, I like Gerald Everett. Um, I think that he is a really talented tight end. I think he's going to put up okay numbers. I think it's a lot about, like, red zone targets for him. Right. Um, He luckily really doesn't play anything like any of their other receiving options. So, like, he's definitely middle of the field dependent. He's not so fast – or big like Travis Kelsey or certain other guys like Darren Waller, where he's taking the top off the defense. He really plays like that eight to 15 yard zone really well. Um, he's a real well-rounded tight end. And he's going to be right. on the field a lot. Um, so I like him. Um, and when you're looking late in the draft for tight ends, it does get tough. It always will. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, I mean, it's been that way forever, and it's probably not going to change anytime soon. Right. Um, but I mean, you're going to take a shot. I like Gerald Everett. You know, yeah. why not go there and tight end? Like, it, <clears throat> tight end is a crapshoot yeah. for the most part. You have your top guys, and other than that, 
it's kind of boom or bust at tight end. So why not go for a potential yeah. boom guy like Joe Everett, right? So keep him in mind. So Josh, who is who is your sleeper tight end? So my sleeper tight end kind of goes back to a production piece. I don't okay. really like him that much. I don't think he's like some super stud, mega freak athlete. Like yeah. he's not um, Kyle Pitts. Um, right. right. But Anthony Ferkser, he's a really okay. solid tight end. He plays for the Titans. The Titans like to use their tight ends. Um, he's their top tight end at the moment, so he's going to get targets. Um, he doesn't have a ton of competition for that. Now, the receiving core is really solid. So that's where a line share of the targets are going to go. That's true. A.J. Brown um, can't get better. Yeah, for sure. But with Ferkser... I think he's going to get a solid enough amount of targets. He's a big body. He's good for the run offense as well. He's a really good run blocker. Yeah. Um, so He'll he's going to be on the field, field a ton. Yeah. yeah. And in the red zone, Derrick Henry's actually sneaky, a bad red zone running back. Um, he doesn't do well on the goal line, which I think that's not as sneaky anymore. But when you watch the Titans and start to look at the stats, he's really bad inside the five just because he's too big. Like, that sounds dumb, but he's really tall. He doesn't get enough momentum. Right. Um, often gets stopped. But the reason I say that is Titans actually kind of know that and run some really cool stuff in the red zone. And he's going to get some red zone targets, I think. So if he puts up 600 yards and six TDs, that's not a terrible season for a guy that you're not going to even have to draft if you don't want. Absolutely. 600 yards, six TDs, maybe like 65 catches, something like that. Yeah. That's solid. I mean, you're taking a guy late. Literally, yeah. that that will finish as like a top 13 tight end if he if he puts that up there. He might that, that could even put him top 10 easily. Yeah. Just it gets weird at the back end of the tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, when we get to value, I'm going to kind of explain how that works a little more. <laughs> but, um, I, I don't really love him, but I think he's going to get enough touches to warrant at least looking at. Like, yeah. if you got to stream a guy, why not him? Because he's going to be on the field all the time. Right. And Tannehill showed he likes Ferkser last year. He, yeah. he demonstrated he trusts him. He had some big games last season. So, I like Anthony Ferkser, too. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, no John, no more John o. Smith. So, yeah, definitely look Ferkser's way. Yeah, for sure. He, he's got potential. All right, you mentioned the values. Here we go. Let's let's transition over to our fantasy values for 2021. I'll start us off at the quarterback position. My value pick this year is Tom Brady, Tommy Boy, the GOAT. <laughs> Tom Brady's my value. I love Tom this year. Obviously, he balled out for Tampa last season. He had 4,633 yards and 40 TDs and only 12 INTs. He played great in his first season, and that is not typical for players in Bruce Arians' scheme. It typically takes some time for quarterbacks to really get comfortable in Arians' offense. Usually, it's the second year where the players truly break out. And I'm going to give you an example here. We're going to go back a bit when Bruce Arians was the coach for the Cardinals. Carson Palmer, in 2014, in his second season with the Cardinals, he had he only played six games. He got hurt. But in those six games, the Cardinals were 6-0, and 
He had 1,626 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, and only three picks and a 95.6 rating. And then the next season, when he got to start the full year and didn't get injured, he had 4,671 yards, 35 TDs, 11 INTs, and a 104.6 rating. Carson Palmer is nowhere near Tom Brady, and he put up crazy numbers in his second year and third year in the Arians scheme. And Brady balled out in his first year with Arians. So all that tells me is that Brady's about to put up a lot of numbers. He has amazing wide receivers, and he's got some solid tight ends as well. I mean, he has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown at wide receiver. Cannot get much better than that. And Rob Gronkowski, his boy Rob, and O.J. Howard at tight end. Those are some great weapons. You have to love that. Tom will utilize them to the max. He He will definitely bring out the best in those guys, and that will help him like crazy he's gonna play great Bruce Arians also loves to throw the ball and here's some evidence that 2020 they were seventh in pass attempts per game 38.2 pass attempts per game in 2019 they were fourth in pass attempts per game at 39.4 and in 2018 they were fourth in pass attempts as well with 39.1 so they clearly finished in the top five top ten of pass attempts every single year so Brady's going to sling the rock. And in 17 games this year, I would be shocked if he does not throw for over 5,000 yards. He has a, it is definitely in his cards to do that. Potentially, you know, 5,200. He's, he's going to be up there. And quite frankly, he's the GOAT. Like everyone knows that he's just so good. And he just, he just defies age. I mean, it, it is what it is. He just can't be stopped. He's going around ADP QB nine. That's solid. Quite frankly, I have him ranked around that, that, but I am so okay waiting on quarterback and getting Tommy Boy late in the draft. Like you said, when we were talking earlier, he is going in more like the rounds eight to 10-ish, maybe even later sometimes. And that is just great value. If you can wait on your quarterback, get fill out your running backs, your wide receivers, your tight ends earlier, and get someone like Tom Brady that late in your draft. I just love it. I love that. <clears throat> I think with Tom, um, the reason he's going so late is almost entirely because he doesn't run. But really, what it is, we've all had Tom on our roster twelve times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> hey, he was my first first ever quarterback in fantasy. So there you go. It's like eleven years ago. <laughs> but. Do you want to win? Because that's what Tom does. Exactly. <laughs> if you get Tom, you know, super late in the draft, you've already stocked up on running backs, receivers, and maybe some tight ends. And you're just like, yeah, now I get to have the GOAT at quarterback. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know, when he went to the Bucks originally, I was a little worried. I thought oh, he yeah. really didn't look great his last season in New England. Um, retrospectively, we see that there was no offensive talent on that team. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't actually his fault. But um, like you said, second year in Arian system is huge. Second year for any quarterback in a new system actually tends to be pretty huge. Um, And he's kind of like – he's got like a supercomputer up there. He just like – the way he processes (laughs) things – he gets better like every snap, not every game or not every week or every year. He like 
gets better with the system literally every snap. Yeah. Um, I mean, he proved that last year. Playing got better and better every single play. And now he's got a true real offseason with the receivers. Um, he's got a great O-line. They brought everybody back. I think he's going to produce, and he's going to put up bigger numbers than last year at a minimum, and those were great numbers. So I think he's a ton of value. He was on my list, huge fan. Um, oh, good, good. Um, <laughs> but not a huge fan of Tom in real life, but he is one of the best quarterbacks ever. Well, and by one of the best, matter. he's the yeah. best. He's the best. Oh. It doesn't matter. It's, it's fantasy. You got to take, yeah. take the guy. Yeah, you got to take what's best for the team. You want to win. You want to win. So, <laughs> all <clears> right. <throat> Glad we're in agreement on Tom. Love Tom this year at that value. Love him. So, who is your quarterback value? <clears throat> well, we've actually talked about him a lot already. Um, it's Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr is really good. Uh, people tend to forget that because he's had a bad season or two um, and the Raiders suck. But if you watch the Raiders, he really is special. He was on track last year. Um, I think he was like the third highest rated quarterback through like 10 weeks by PFF. Um, and if you follow like Mina Kimes on Twitter, she runs the Derek Carr bandwagon. And there's a reason for that. Um, he's really, really accurate with the ball. He makes a lot of smart decisions, and he actually can uncork it when he wants to. Um, they're going to have to use rugs more this year than, than they did last year, oh, just yeah. by proxy. Um, they have a really, really good O-line. In I don't know, a Gruden obviously is not a great coach anymore, but he, but he can't be as dumb as he's been, right? They do win right. games. Like, they're not as bad as most people think. They're really closer to 500. Um, their defense is bad again, so they're probably going to have to toss the ball a lot. And when I'm looking at it, it's like he's drafted after Matt Ryan by, like, four or five quarterback slots. And I'm just like, uh, why? Oh, like, why mean, would – like, I, know, I don't know. I don't like, agree I just, with that one bit. I don't want any part of Matty Ice this year. Yeah. I'll take Derek Carr all day over Matt um, Ryan. I like that. Yeah, I, mean, I like that. If Derek Carr's your starter, you're going to have probably a top 15 quarterback in terms of play on the field and then as well as fantasy. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that, Josh. I mean, Derek Carr, he's got the skill set. He's a really underrated NFL quarterback as a whole. He he really does play well, and he's produced for fantasy in the past. Like he's had yeah. some, a big big season in the past. He puts up big weeks. Like every year, he puts up like a forty burger, and people are get shocked. But then he puts some consistent weeks. He might bust every now and then. They have they like to run the ball. They got Jacobs and Drake, mm-hmm. but like you said, the Raiders really they. Gruden's been figuring it out a little bit, but they do finish in the middle of the pack. They're not a bad team. They're not a great team by any stretch, but they're not the worst team either. They're, they're just okay. And Carr, he definitely has that opportunity, like you said, to finish as a top 15 quarterback. I like, I like that, that value there in Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's unbelievable, but when you're just looking at what's around him, and you're picking like either for your first backup, you know, when you're looking at a backup quarterback late in the draft, 
or you just haven't taken one yet, Derek Carr is going to produce. Like, he's not going to be a monster. He's not going to put up 5K yards and 50 TDs. But it's kind of like, okay, yeah, but he's probably going to have around four. Well, now the 17th game messes everything up. But he's going to have more than 4,000 yards. Yeah. He's probably going to have 38-ish TDs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's going to produce. He's not a monster. But, you know, you don't he's need, like, the best quarterback. Right. right. Like Mahomes is obviously the best and will produce insane numbers and all that. But like, he's not going to win you the league unless he's scoring 50 a game. Right. Unless he does his 50 TDs, 5,000 yards like he did a couple years ago. Yeah. For 300 yards and three touchdowns. And that's just yeah. really, it's just not likely for anybody to do that. So like you said, I mean, if you take a guy like Derek Carr, take that value, soak it up and get, you know, better positional players at YRC running back tied in earlier in the draft. I think that is a really good value. So I like that. I think that's good. That's a, that's a good value pick right there. So my honorable mention, we don't really need to go deep into it. I think you probably would agree with this. I know Julio is, is a, you're a big fan of his this year. So Ryan Tannehill, I think is a great value this year. He's going at ADP QB 10, which is a solid value. He's going around the same range as Brady. So the same thing I said about Brady, if you can get someone like that late in your draft and get some all your other guys earlier, that's just excellent value. Tannehill has been sneaky, just so good these past few years with Tennessee. His numbers have just been incredible. He's extremely efficient. I mean, as efficient as it comes at the quarterback position. And now he just got Julio Jones. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, they can run the ball with Derrick Henry. I mean, Tannehill – it really has potential to finish as high as he, as you really can imagine. Like he runs the ball too, you know, he, he'll get a few hundred yards on the ground and he'll run in a few touchdowns. So Tannehill is a, is an excellent value. I, I like him a lot. I think guys should not be worried about taking Tannehill. I know he's not a sexy name. You hear Ryan Tannehill and you're like, Oh, you know, I'd rather take somebody that's you know got just a little bit more well known maybe you want to reach and take a Rodgers you want to take a Herbert you want to take Lamar's and all those guys but really just stay water and if you wait a bit and take some other guys earlier you're going to get a great value in Ryan Tannehill he puts up fantasy points yeah when I look at Tannehill and Brady Brady was on my list he probably would have been my second uh, value guy um the reason I like him so much is I don't think they're really far behind the top tier of like Mahomes, exactly. Wilson, Lamar, Josh Allen. Like I don't think there's a huge difference in points there. Um, but you can get them way later. Way later, exactly. I just think those, those guys are just screaming values this year. It's cra- It's just crazy. Agreed. And when you're looking at tiers, even though I just said I like Derek Carr and I do, like they're definitely in a higher tier and they're really not far off the top and could even be top three finishes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but you can get them really late. And then right after them, really, it starts to get a little wishy-washy for me. You're like looking at like Jalen Hurts, which we talked about as a guy um, last week. But you're starting to get into some weirder like yeah, situations. Like, once you get past the Hurts, like I like Hurts with them. I mean, Hertz has more upside because of his legs and stuff. So, like, there's yeah, no risk for sure. with Hertz, but he's got significant upside. That's why I like him as a breakout because of his legs. 
But once mm-hmm. you get past these guys, you kind of get into like, okay, Matthew Stafford, is he going to have a crazy good year? There's a little risk there, new scheme. Mm-hmm. I love Matthew Stafford as a player, love him, great quarterback. But, you know, it's a little – it's just – it's more risk involved, right? And then Joe Burrow, yeah. we talked about him. He is mm-hmm. a very risky play right now. Jamar Chase has not looked good because he hasn't no, played he in a couple of years. So that's risky. I mean, like you said, it's just – it starts to fall off. There's there's a break there for sure. Like Derek Carr, when you get into that next tier, I think is – a very good value and he's he's going to put up consistent numbers you know what you're getting with their car when you take him later so i like him as a value but guys a, a tier or two ahead like it's tom brady's and ryan Tindles, they're just going way later than some of these top guys and have the potential to finish in the top five so yeah you're only looking at a few round difference between them and i know obviously that can be a lot of picks right, but it's like right. two two-ish rounds between car and that tier in Brady and Tannehill, and it's kind of like, okay, who are you taking in the eighth to tenth round at running right. back? That's going to give you a ton more value. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. So look for those guys. Look for Tom Brady. Look for Tannehill. And if you want to go a little later, look for Carr. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so my value at running back, I talked about Trey Sermon earlier. I'm going to talk about the starting running back for the Niners right now. Now, I know this guy has some serious injury concerns, and that's a big reason he's falling down. But he's going at ADP RB29. That's Raheem Mostert. ADP RB29 is just weight. It's just really low. I mean, you're not really soaking up the injury risk at that draft position. That's really good value. So Raheem Mostert, he is just extremely fast. He recorded the top two speeds of 2020 last year over Tyree Kill, over these crazy speedsters in the NFL. He had a he had clocked 23.09 miles per hour on his 80-yard touchdown run and 22.73 miles per hour on like a 74-yard TD catch. He's crazy fast. He's a big play waiting to happen. Like I said, 80-yard rushing touchdown, 76-yard receiving TD. Shanahan loves to run the ball. I talked about that with Trey Sermon. He's just, he's really good at it. He knows what he's doing. In 2018, 11th in rush attempts per game at 26.4. 2019, they were second in rushing attempts per game at 32.1. And in 2020, they were 14th in rushing attempts per game at 27.3. So they're consistently hovering around that like 10th, you know, in the NFL rush attempts per game. That is very solid. And Shanahan is better at putting his RBs in positions to succeed than just about anybody in the NFL. So you have to love that. And they have a great defense that typically trans translates to, you know, if they're playing a good offense, that keeps them in close games. And usually when you have a great defense, you're a, have more ability to run the ball. You can kind of kill the clock a bit, let your defense do some work. So that equals more rushing opportunities in my mind. And he has had a great YPC yards per carry that's not like any crazy, you know, some crazy sticky stat or anything. Yards per carry doesn't mean a ton, but it's still helpful to know and, and show that he's got, got that ability to make the most of his carries. 5.6 yards per carry in 2019 and five yards per carry in 2020. Again, I mentioned his downside. He has huge injury risk. He's a risky proposition for guys when you want to take him, but that's only if you were going higher, maybe RB20. RB22, something like that. He's going at RB29. He's going as an RB3 and a mid to late RB3 at that. 
I think that the risk is kind of taken out of the equation when you're going that late. So, you know, take a shot on Raheem Mostert. I don't love, like, he's not somebody that I would be like, oh, target him early. Do not reach on this guy. I would not do that. I don't recommend it. I think Trey Sermon's other guys are going to get a lot of work. I don't think Mostert's going to get more than like 15 touches per game at most. But if he is, if he does slide to RB 29, 30, or even later, snatch him up because there isn't any risk there. And he's absolutely going to score you some points that are worthy of being in your fantasy lineups for a few weeks, if not more during the season. Yeah. I like Raheem. Um, Stupid fast. Yeah. He's going to get a lot of touches. Really, as we all know, only concerns injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I guess the only other thing you could say is that he's not an all purpose back. Um, like he's not good at everything. Right. But he is a good running back. Um, you know, I like him. Again, don't reach for him, but if you're taking him about where he's kind of supposed to go, I think you're getting pretty good value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel like that kind of says it all for Moser right there. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting. He's just going really late. So mm-hmm. if he slips, take him. No harm, no foul there. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. You didn't really – you didn't lose anything because he was going so late, right? So Yeah, you're not losing like your him. season by taking him. No. But if he's no. healthy the whole year, he could definitely, like, win it's you some games. Yeah, it's a steal if he's healthy for the majority of the season at that average draft position. So who's your value at RB? <clears throat> I have a couple. One's pretty high on the board. One's more like flex position. Um, the first one is Antonio Gibson. Ooh, um, you can love get him. Me some Antonio Gibson. Stop. You can get him like kind of near the back of the second round, and I think he has legitimate running back one upside. Absolutely. I think he had right under fifteen hundred total yards last year. He's going to get a ton of touches. He was really good as a rookie, um, and they're going to need to give him the ball in that offense because they are a defense-oriented team, and um, he can kind of do everything. There's not a ton of competition for touches there. Um, I mean, I know J.D. McKissick can catch, and he'll definitely get a couple, but he's going to be their power back as well as like play on third downs most of the time. And I really think that, like, if 1450s is floor and yards, I think that's pretty sick. Um, Because I also think is the upside to get closer to, like, 1,800 to 2,000 yards with the 17 games. Yeah. Um, Not rushing, but combined. No, combined. Yeah, yeah. If he gets that receiving workload, the sky is the absolute limit for Antonio Gibson. Mm -hmm. The guy is an absolute stud. Loved him coming out of college, had him in every league last year. I've talked about him a little bit on the last pod. He is a beast. He's playing with Ron Rivera. That's the head coach. That's the guy who utilized Christian McCaffrey in the way Mm -hmm. that McCaffrey is still being utilized today. And he's already, there's already been talk from their backup quarterback, Kyle Allen, saying like, you know, they're going to utilize him like Christian McCaffrey. I don't believe that. Like that's obviously just some, some talk going around. But he legitimately does have the skill set to do that if they wanted to. And mm-hmm. I know McKissick's there. I wouldn't worry about too much. I think they're going to get in the ball. He's a former wide receiver. He's great in the passing game. 
and he's only going to get better as a rusher. He is a very talented guy. I love the value with Gibson as well. I think he's going some, he's really kind of going in that, like maybe sometimes an RB one, but primarily like a top, top end RB two. And he could absolutely, if you went wide receiver and you want to make him your RB one, I would not be afraid of that at all. Like draft him with confidence. Yeah. I really like him. He's not run CMC, but he is really good. Um, You know, when you're looking at, let's say you have the top pick, you take Christian McCaffrey first, and then Antonio Gibson's there. Take him, take him, take him, take him, take him, take him, take him. You would be, (laughs) there's just so much upside with Gibson. Just so much. There's little downside. Like you saw last year what he can do if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get maximized in the passing game. And that's still a fantastic running back. So. Yeah. And, you know, he's in that prime spot where he's really hasn't gotten nearly enough touches to get anywhere near like real injury concerns. He stayed healthy last year. I don't think injuries are a huge concern there. Obviously all running backs, that's a little bit of like a red flag regardless. But um, I think that when you're looking at the second round, if Nick Chubb's gone, why not take Antonio Gibson? Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, who's your uh, who's your other other back? Here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's a little bit further down the board, but I do still like him. He's not like a bad running back by any sense of the word. Um, Josh Jacobs, you oh, can yeah. get him pretty late. Good value for sure. He's going he's um, going late towards that RB twenty twenty four range. I mean, that's really good value. In I think he's a really solid back. I mean, obviously he missed some games. But when he's on the field, he does produce pretty well. Obviously, like sometimes he has games where you're like, 20 carries for 60 yards, really? Yeah. But um, he was he was a little bit of a headache last year. He had some mm-hmm. boom weeks and a lot of down weeks. Most of his points came in a few games, but that's mm-hmm. not sticky by any stretch for RBs usually. Yeah, he's going to get a ton of touches. Gruden loves him. I like Josh Jacobs a lot. Um, I actually didn't like him coming out, um, but obviously I think he's kind of proved me wrong there. I don't think he's going to be like a running back one like people wanted him to be back in the day. No. But when you're looking at like a flex running back option, I don't I don't see why Jacobs is bad there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like that kind of says it all with Jacobs. He's going pretty, pretty late. I know people are scared they drafted Kenyon Drake and, and all that, but – yeah, I'm not, no, he's I'm going they just like, do different things. Yeah, exactly. He's he's going in like round four, so mm-hmm. that's a really good value for a guy like Jacobs. So definitely. Yeah, Kenyon Drake's a fine running back, um, and yeah, he's going to take his targets away, but Jacobs didn't yeah. get a ton of targets anyways. Right, yeah, so, exactly. And Jacobs like, still going to get the, the majority of the, the rushing opportunities. So, you know. For sure. I think round four is really good value for him. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> um, so guy, I just want to bring up um, mm-hmm. coming back is Gus Edwards. He's going at RB, oh, yeah, Gus RB yeah, the Gus bus, baby, the Gus bus. He's going at RB 41. It's a really good value for a guy um, that is going to split the load with JK Dobbins. I like JK mm-hmm. Dobbins. He's a great player, and I think I have him, you know, around RB17, somewhere between 17 to 20. 
And Gus Edwards has been nothing short of just pretty dominant as a runner in the Baltimore offense since he's played there. He's been averaging over five yards per carry, and he's been putting over 700 yards on the ground even in these past couple seasons. No more Mark Ingram, and they like to split the load. So I think going at RB41 is really just very late for a guy like this. I mean, it's not like it's – I understand why he's going late. Like, there's not crazy, crazy upside. But, I mean, if, if J.K. Dobbins were to miss time, Edwards would yeah. just be dominant and he's still going like Edwards is going to get potentially double digit carries on a week to week basis. I don't think that JK is going to just take over that backfield himself. They're not going to do that. They like Gus Edwards. They gave him a contract. So the Gus bus is going to get, get fed the ball this year. I think a lot more than people would maybe like, especially those guys who are in love with JK Dobbins, but you know, I think that he's a valuable player that you can take late in the draft. <laughs> yeah, he kind of reminds me of a law firm. Yeah, um, Jarvis Green Ellis. Yeah, yeah he's very um, not as productive, and he's not going to vulture as many TDs, but he's going to probably get ten ish touches a game, and he'll do a lot with them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, let's trans- transition over to the wide receivers. So. My value wide receiver this year is going to be it's going to it's going to piggyback a little bit on this Brady Brady noise but that's Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown this year, he's going at ADP wide receiver 38. Really good value, you know, he's going in that high end wide receiver 4 range. I mean, if you can get him as your wide receiver 4, that's really good. He's a good wide receiver 3 as well. Everybody knows how talented AB is. He's catching passes from the goat. And last season, he was on pace for a great year after joining the Bucs. He, from weeks 9 through 17, his 17-game pace was 95 receptions, 1,056 yards, and eight TDs. Last season, and just joining, you know, like that's really, really good for a guy that, you know, hadn't played in a while. And he's just, you know, Brady, Brady forced Arian's hand to add Antonio to the team. So he likes to get the ball to Antonio. Antonio is valuable to Brady. And let's look at the targets. So for AB was second on the team in targets with 61 once he started playing from week eight and on. And the receptions, he was first on the team in receptions per game, 5.6 receptions per game from week eight and on. And then in yards, third in yards per game at 60.4. In QB rating, he was third in QB with QB rating 1.109.8 with Brady since he started playing. He was a very good player when he had the opportunity last year. Once he started playing, Brady threw him the ball. Brady loves him. So he's going to get looks. He's the easily the cheapest Bucks wide receiver. If you want to piece that Bucks offense, go get Antonio Brown. He is, if he's healthy, like that, he's going to get looks and he's going to put up numbers. <clears throat> Well, the one thing we know with Brady is he has favorites and he plays them pretty hard. Um, for whatever reason, he loves Antonio Brown. Um, you know, if you can get it over the head case piece of it, he is one of the hardest workers in the league. And him and Brady spend a ton of time working hard together. I think they're both kind of maniacal about it. So this isn't, you know, numbers or anything like that. But when you're just looking at the relationship side, Brady's going to love to target him because he already loved him before. 
and we know he plays favorites. He'll just yep. stop targeting guys if he doesn't like them. I mean, look yeah. at Nikhil Harry. Not that Nikhil Harry was any good, but um, just was like, no, I'm never going to throw that dude the ball. He sucks. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, he does really like A.B. You know, he doesn't dislike his other options. Obviously, oh, the other no. receivers are going to get targets too. Um, but that's clearly his favorite guy, in, like him and Gronk, um, kind of are his safety valves. Yeah. Exactly. So he's going to get a lot of touches. He's still Antonio Brown. Obviously, he's not the best receiver in the league anymore. But I don't hate that at all. I think he's a good value late. Yeah, yeah. So take your shot on AB. I mean, he's just going super late. Cheapest box wide receiver. And he definitely can finish as a wide receiver, too, this year. Um, so he's, he's a good value. Who is your value wide receiver? Um, we've talked about him a lot. Um, I love him. Julio Jones. Julio. Um, Julio is a better receiver than A.J. Brown, straight up. He was more productive in the games he played last year. And then, obviously, if you look anything further back than that, he was just way more productive so, than A.J. Brown can be. Because you said that, I do have a quick question for you. Would mm-hmm. you draft Julio Jones ahead of A.J. Brown this year, you personally? Um, that gets tough. The reason I think I'd say no is I don't love the injury risk. Yeah. But let's say – because you can get Julio pretty late. If it's like round five or six and you still don't have a second receiver and you have Julio and AJ on the board, you're winning, right? But AJ's going to get taken earlier. People love AJ. Yeah, he's going – But for whatever reason, people have fallen off Julio. When you look at the numbers last year, when he played, he was still one of the three best receivers in the league. Absolutely. He was unbelievable. Um, it's not a on-the-field play concern. I know he's older, but if you watch the tape, he's just as explosive. He's just as good in and out of his routes, and he has amazing hands. Um, obviously, he is not peak Julio anymore, but um, if he's healthy, he's going to produce. The, I know the Titans run the ball. They really have a balanced attack. I think sometimes when people are like, oh, they're going to ground and pound and ground and pound, it's because they run a ton of heavy sets with two receivers. They don't use a ton of slot. Um, so they're always in those big base packages. They do run the ball a lot. I'm not saying they don't. But it's not like they're running the ball 50 times a game. There's enough right. targets for two receivers. Um, Julio, obviously, we know when you look at the touchdowns, that is one concern, right? He's just never been a big touchdown right. guy, and I get that. Um, but the Titans are going to use a heavy play-action offense when you give um, Tannehill one read to make, and he's got Julio one-on-one. That's that's going to be really easy. Julio's yeah. going to make that catch. Yeah. Now, Julio's hands didn't suddenly get bad. He's not suddenly slow. Um, you know, he's 6'3 and ran a 4-3-40. Obviously, it's probably slowed down a bit, but – He's still a really explosive guy. I think it really it's an injuries concern. And if you're afraid of that, I get it. But I don't think he's like three tiers below A.J. Brown or anything, but he's yeah. getting taken way later. Yeah, You can get him like three or four rounds later, and it's like uh, Julio's really good. Yeah, like he's I, a stud. Like in a draft the other day, I got – Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, 
and then I got Julio as the last like big receiver I took, and I took Julio way later in the re- way later in the draft. Yeah, that's um, crazy. I mean, that's just such great value for an excellent wide receiver like that. I, I agree with you. Julio is definitely a screaming value this year. He's he's going later. People are scared. They're worried. The injury concern is part of it, and I think just the fact that he's moving to a new offense for the first time in his career is scaring people off. And people just love AJ Brown so much. They just forget how great Julio is and how mm. truly just a transcendent talent he is and a Hall of Fame player. I mean, he's he's definitely going to go deep, get – he's going to have fewer receptions than yeah, he has ever sure. had in his career because of the offense he plays in. But where he's going, you don't need him to have the any more than 80 receptions. Those 80 receptions, he'll still get a significant yardage total. And who knows, he, he might put up – some TDs this year um, with AJ Brown on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, everyone's scared of Derrick Henry and they should be, he's just a monster. So AJ or Julio Jones is not going to be for the first time in his career. He's not going to be the first player on the offenses that defense is fear, which I think is going to be great for him. Yeah. He's not going to get all the attention. He's exactly. actually going to get some one-on-ones, which he hasn't had literally in a decade. Yeah. Um, and he's going to make a ton out of those. He's a really right. physical receiver. He's not, it's not like he's soft. The yeah. injuries have just come from, you know, playing football. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things with fantasy is sometimes we really overthink the injury piece to it. Um, that's true. To win in fantasy, you have to have someone who way overperforms their draft position. Um, and typically you have to take a risk to do that. Yeah. If your risk is Julio Jones and like the fifth or sixth round, that's really not a risk. You didn't no, risk. A it's whole not, lot. that's, you're not um, risking a lot with a guy like that. I, I like that a lot. Julio's a great value. That's a good pick. I like that. People don't be scared to draft Julio Jones this year. Do not be scared. Yeah. Take the value. I mean, you know, obviously if it's him and AJ and you want the safety valve, sure. Yeah, um, I would take AJ Brown ahead of Julio as well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been there longer. AJ Brown's younger and he's also mm-hmm. just a budding superstar. I like AJ Brown a lot. So yeah. he's he's amazing. So I would take him ahead of Julio, but that doesn't mean don't take Julio. Take Julio as well. He's he's gonna be yeah. great. So who's your receiver? Okay, so I mentioned Antonio Brown. This one I don't want to talk. I don't need to talk about a lot, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to bring him up. And that guy is Corey Davis. Corey oh, yeah. Davis for the Jets. Zach Wilson loves this guy. I mean, he mm-hmm. is just targeting the hell out of Corey Davis right now. Corey Davis is going to clearly be the favorite target of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. He got paid big money this offseason, and he's looked. He's looked really good. He's been wide open, a lot of plays, and they are going to target the hell out of him. So he's going at ADP wide receiver, wide receiver 46 right now. That is insane value. I can't believe he was going that late anyways as a wide receiver one on a team. I know it's the Jets, but wide receiver 46 for a guy like that makes no sense to me. That's going to jump up because everyone's seeing his usage mm-hmm. in the preseason but he's even if that jumps up he's still only going to be going in that back in wide receiver three range if i had to guess maybe around wide receiver 36 that's still really good value for a guy that quite frankly could surprise some people this year 
I don't have to go too deep into it. I do think, though, people should look at Corey Davis, and if he's sliding down draft boards, don't be so scared to take a Jets wide receiver that's going to get a lot of targets. Volume is king in fantasy, even if it's coming out of a rookie's hand, even if you aren't a big fan of Zach Wilson or you're scared of the organization, don't be scared of Corey Davis. He's going to put up some solid numbers this year. Yeah, um, you know, looking at Corey Davis – He's a really productive receiver. I think he's really good. He's probably the best receiver the Jets have had in a while. I like Robbie Anderson, but I think Corey Davis is a better receiver. Um, you know, with Zach Wilson, I'll say the best thing for him is that Robert Sala has not laid off. Their defense has been right. disgusting all through camp, yep. and he's been giving them all those same difficult looks that he was throwing teams when he was the defensive coordinator. Very true. Very true. Um, so he's already having to deal with a lot of that. Um, they have a pretty good old line, not great, but it's not trash. Um, Makai Becton last year was awesome. He's a freak. Um, and he's only going to get better. Corey Davis is the clear receiver one. Obviously I know Elijah Moore is a slot guy who's going to get some targets for two, but they just don't play the same way. And I think there's a lot of targets on the table there. I don't hate that. Um, <clears throat> and then my other value guy. guy no, go ahead. He's not. I was just saying, you know, he's not an exciting guy, but mm-hmm. he'll get the job done <clears throat> for sure. My other um, value receiver. Don't have to talk a ton about it, but it's Tyler Lockett. Um, oh, yeah, he, quite he's frankly, really good. Tyler Lockett is my favorite value player in fantasy football right now. Mm-hmm. He really. I is. love Tyler Lockett. Um, He's really, really, really good. He's been really, 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 really good. And he plays in an offense that, like, services his best skills. And you can get him, like, significantly later than DK. He's going, like, um, round five right now. And it's just yeah. insane. The guy had 100 receptions last year in double-digit touchdowns. He's I don't understand. I know he's a boomer yeah, bust guy, but if you're scared of that, like, go get yourself a safe wide receiver like Keenan Allen – or a Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. or Allen Robinson, guys that are guaranteed touches on a weekly basis, and then get your wide receiver too is Tyler Lockett. The guy, when he hits those boom weeks, you just won your week. It's done. Mm-hmm. And he's still going – like, that's not – having those boom weeks like that aren't super sticky as well in fantasy. Like, he's not – he hasn't always been that way. Like, he definitely has yeah. massive weeks, but he gets looks. Like, he's going to get targeted, and he's going to have a lot of receptions. So, I I, I love I love Tyler Lockett at his his value right now, his ADP. Yeah, I do too. I really love him. Um, I, it's almost too easy. Yeah, it's like, it is. If it's a free like, square right now. Yeah. If you can take him in the fifth round, I mean, if you have the ability to, like, go – him and Julio is your receiver two in flex. Oh, that's a really sick fifth and sixth round pick or fourth yeah. and fifth round pick. Like either way, you're getting a ton of value there. And Lockett's really sick. Um, 100% agree. And I know that DK's flashy. We all have DK. I think DK's going to outproduce him. But I don't think there's like a huge gap there. No, and DK's um, going three or four rounds earlier than Tyler Lockett. Yeah, it, it's like DK's getting taken like he's Megatron. Yeah. Um, but Tyler like produces pretty similar numbers. 
and you can get him way later, and you get another good piece of a great offense. Yeah, so exactly. Um, so, no, I love Tyler. Completely agree. Everybody listening, go grab Tyler Lockett at that at that ADP. It is a free square. Take him. It's money all day. Money in the bag with Tyler Lockett in the fifth or sixth round. It's just too easy. So my value tight end this year is Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby mm. is my value tight end. He's a po- post post hype value slash breakout yeah. player. Everyone was super hyped on him last year. I was out on Higby. He had one big game, one three touchdown game. Other than that, nothing. So people are all, you know, they're they're weird. They don't they don't want to take the shot on him again this year because of that. He's going at ADP tight end eleven. That is great value. You're getting him at a back end, you know, high end tight end two, low end tight end one. Grab him for sure. In 2019, he had one of the greatest stretches for a tight end in NFL history. He is extremely talented. He had, against the Cardinals, eight targets, seven catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Seahawks, 11 targets, seven catches, 116 yards in that game. Against the Cowboys, 14 targets, 12 receptions, 111 yards. In the 49ers to end the season, and then the 49ers, there are two more games. The 49ers, 11 targets, nine receptions, 104 yards. And against the Cardinals again, 12 targets, eight receptions, 84 yards, and a TD. That is just ridiculous numbers for that that type of stretch. No tight ends do that. That's potentially the greatest run for a tight end of all time. It's crazy. He's got the talent. There's no more Gerald Everett on the on the Rams. They got Matthew Stafford now, who just helped TJ Hawkinson put up solid numbers. Matthew Stafford's a great quarterback. So Tyler Higby's going to get, you know, good looks, high value opportunities. And he's a four-down player. The guy's a great blocker. He is really, really good on the field. He, he's, he's going to be on the field for every snap, and that just equals more opportunity for Tyler Higby. So I definitely like Tyler Higby a lot this year. I have him as my tight end seven or eight, and I will definitely draft him. If I miss out on the top six tight ends, top five tight ends, I'm more than happy to wait and grab Tyler Higby and take that shot. <clears throat> yeah. I love Tyler Higby. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of guys got burned by him last year. But Matthew Stafford is a huge improvement at quarterback. Um, he's going to be on the field all the time, and he's shown that he can produce when he gets the touches. Yeah. So I, I really like him as the guy that, like, breaks out and moves to the top tier that isn't there already. Um, you know, if – for example, if you're like, oh, yeah, I can take Kyle Pitts in the third or I can take Higby in like the sixth or seventh, take Higby. Yeah, um, exactly. You're going to get more exactly. value out of that. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, so, yeah, I like that pick. I think he's going to be on the field all the time. I think he's really talented. And he stole Gerald Everett's spot, who we already talked about as a guy that we like. Right. So um, he's yeah. a good player. So get some Higby. Take the the post types to post type break out there with Tyler Higby. Um, who is your value tight end, Josh? Let's you know wrap us up with your value tight end mm-hmm. this year. So I was looking at tight ends a lot, and I'm gonna stand on a soapbox here, and this is gonna sound stupid, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna prove my point. Um, it's Travis Kelsey. He's the number one okay. tight end in fantasy. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, Travis Kelsey is the value. He okay. puts up a thousand yards every year. 
Um, he is significantly better than every other tight end. And it's like the gap is pretty massive. Like um, Kittle's awesome. Waller's awesome. And I think they're both really good players. Here's the difference. Kelsey scores more touchdowns. He gets more targets and he puts up more yards, even when they're at their best. And he's done it for five years. And then since Mahomes has come on, his red zone targets have gone up and his receptions have gone up. I know he's a little older. Who cares? The yeah. guy's a monster and he continues to produce. He had his best season last year in which might've been the best season ever for a tight end, like oh, period. No doubt. Like statistically no. it was, but then like for sure. Yes. I think legitimately he had the best tight end season ever. Obviously like, you know, when you look at certain guys, you look at Gronk and his prime, all these different people, they do different things, but Kelsey is so much better as a tight end pick because you can just lock it in. Yeah. You're getting 10 exactly. catches, you're getting 100 yards, and you're getting a touchdown. Like, I agree with everything making. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I know it sounds dumb, right? A lot of people are taking him back of the second round, top of third round. That's so high for a tight end. But the I mean, drop off. I've seen Kelsey. Kelsey is going sometimes in the back end of the first round. First. I mean, yeah, depending would, on you, how many people would you pound the table and say, go ahead and take Travis Kelsey in the first round. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a first round pick mm -hmm. and quite frankly, Kelsey's putting up numbers that are better and similar to Tyreek Hill statistically speaking, which is all that matters for fantasy. So here I'll simplify it even more. It might not be a targets piece, but I think Kelsey is the best receiver in the league. Not okay. as like, <laughs> okay. like he's the best receiving weapon period. Um, okay. He's six, seven. He's a freak athlete. He does everything he's asked and he's a great route runner. Um, you know, he doesn't get quite as many targets as other guys. So that's probably a piece of it because he is a tight end. He has to block. He has other things he has to do. But when he's out in space, he's going to moss two dudes. And if you put a single guy on him, he's going to truck through about four dudes and get a touchdown. Um, I legitimately yeah. like love Travis Kelsey. He puts up stupid numbers every year. Like if you can put him compared to receivers, He's still like a top 10 guy. But then last year, I don't even, I think it was just Devontae Adams that had a better season than him. And for a while, he was out producing him until Mahomes had a little bit of a bang up, you know, some stuff happened there. But Kelsey is a monster. Right. Um, right. No, and the thing I is, is you get, you get consistency of he's going to at least have a thousand yards. Like you almost can just book that in. Um, cause he was doing that with like worst quarterback play and was significantly like less as a player five years ago. Now he gets better every year. He's going to get a thousand yards and he's probably going to score around 10 TDs. Um, he's a huge red zone threat, but he's also awesome in the rest of the field. Um, I don't know. He's a matchup nightmare. It's kind of like when Gronk was at his peak, it's like, just give me Gronk. I'm going to yeah, get stupid exactly. numbers from him. And he's just way better than everyone else at the position. Right. Um, so basically, I mean, what I'm hearing is pretty much just go, do, do not be scared. Go ahead. Take Travis Kelsey early. Don't be, don't be afraid. If you want to draft him in the first round, do it. It's worth it. He's a dominant player and he's just such a positional advantage in fantasy football that it's worth the draft capital to take him. Yeah. The way I look at it is, 
yes, Devontae Adams outproduced him by like a little bit last year, but I can also get really good receivers later yeah, in the exactly. draft. I cannot get a good tight end. It really you can't like, get a Travis Kelsey or anywhere no. close to that later in the draft. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and I love Kittle. I love Waller. I even right. love Pitts as a player. But none of them do what he does, and they really don't even come close. Yeah. He's consistently so good that like his floor is like is the best tight end, and then his ceiling is the best receiver. Right. So it's like you're getting so much value there. And it's not like he had any athletic slippage last year. He was unbelievable. I think he probably has like a slight per game regression just because he was so good last year. Yeah, that's to be expected. But but he actually doesn't have like insane touchdown rate, right? Like it's not like he couldn't score some touchdowns to make up for that. He, He is really, really talented. He has a really high floor and he also has a really high ceiling. I just, when I'm looking at it, you know, some other guys I was thinking about was like maybe Mark Andrews is one of those guys that's near the back of that top five, six. But I just, I didn't take him in my last draft. Maybe I'm the problem. But when you look (laughs) at him, it's just like, okay, I can get a guy who plays a position that's extremely rare to get an elite player at. He's, no matter what, like, unless he breaks his leg in half, is going to produce. Yep. You're going to get the tight end one when you pick him and you know it. Right. So that's a huge advantage. Safe player, crazy eye ceiling. Don't be afraid. If you wanted to and you took two tight ends and you just got two of the best in the league and you're playing him in the flex, oh, no, he's way better than any receiver you're going to have in the flex. That's true. That's true. He's a top He's a top five type of wide receiver, so he's definitely worthy of a first-round pick if you want to grab him, make sure that no one else gets him. So, yeah, I mean, it's weird to hear him as a value pick, but I completely understand why you say that. Basically, you're just pounding the table here, being like draft Travis Kelsey and draft him with confidence and don't be afraid to take him over these top wide receivers because wide receivers are way deeper than tight ends. And if you lock up the best tight end in football, you will not be sorry for doing that. That is- And most receivers are more likely to get injured statistically and actually have typically more variance. Yeah, that's um, true. That's not true. than like, because, you know, most tight ends don't actually produce at the level that Kelsey does. So obviously it gets a little different there, but He's more consistent relative to, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's when you look at it, can I have the best player by a mile at a position that's not deep at all? Or now, obviously if you're looking at running backs, right, that's a whole different thing. If you're wanting to do running backs a little bit later, take someone else first, right? Maybe the guys you like are off the board. Kelsey would be the first one I'd go to. Um, because, yeah, Devontae Adams is awesome. He's going to have a great year, no doubt about any of that. But when you're like, okay, but I can get Amari Cooper in the fourth? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Like, I yeah. have my receiver one and I have tied in one. Yeah, exactly. So Exactly. No, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Get Travis Kelsey early. Don't worry about tight ends. Just set him and forget him every week. So, I love it. I think that's a great, great spot to – to end off this sleepers and values podcast. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add, Josh? It's a good episode. Um, you know, the only thing I'd say is people should watch more Trey Lance tape. 
It's yeah. awesome. I think I've just been banging that table. The tray, Lance. Tray, <laughs> just watch baby. the tape. You won't. He gets be better sorry. so quickly. Yes, um, keep an eye on Trey Lance, and he he will help you out this year if he gets that starting job. We can't say it enough. He makes some passes where you're like, it's not even just the zing, right? He's got a ton of pop. Yeah. But sometimes when he makes these throws, it's like, it's kind. Of, the reason he gets the Mahomes comparison isn't necessarily the raw velocity. It's that it's got touch and velocity, which most right. guys can't do, right? That's something that like Matt Stafford can do, Rodgers can do. Mahomes can do, but most guys can't do both at the same time. He's one of the few guys who has like the raw arm talent to do that and the accuracy to put the touch on the ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. And his mechanics actually look pretty clean. Like they've gotten cleaned up a lot. Like a lot of stuff I didn't like in his base is not quite as bad. Um, So if you like watching quarterback tape, watch some like Dakota State, some like um, just drills he was running and then watch some 49ers and just look at like a year's progression. You'll be pretty impressed. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Go check out Trey Lance. Go check him out. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the second episode of the fantasy football ratings podcast. Catch us on our next episode. We're going to be talking about our, my guys. Those are going to be our <laughs> favorite players at every position. So be ready for another fun episode with me and Josh and get ready. So my guys, next episode, catch you later. Out. See you then.